Welcome, welcome, welcome to who you've championed yourself. Who are you? I am Chris Ferguson, your host. It has always been a dream of mine to showcase ordinary people doing extraordinary things. They've taken their dreams, their ideas, and turned it into their reality. As they reach beyond their personal struggles or pains or traumas, where so many people give up and lose hope, there are those few who can walk through their obstacles and challenges. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where it's going to take them. They just trust themselves enough not to give up, do the follow through in their personal life, their career, and in relationships. This is what I call a champion. Today, I have an amazing, amazing individual. I think the world of this man, he has his own podcast. He has, he's actually, he does extraordinary things for so many people. Let's welcome Payman Lorenzo to the podcast today. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's an honor being here. Thank you for inviting me. Super excited. Uh, I am so excited and honored to have you here. We've talked before. I've been on your podcast, but I want to talk about your backstory first, and then I want to talk about your podcast. Sure. How did you get from before now? What was the the journey? It's been a long journey, you know. Where do you want me to start? From the very beginning, from where I am now? Well, let's start from, from when you had that moment you decided what you were doing wasn't you and you needed to do something different well i was in uh, just before the pandemic i was you know about me i'm a nomad lived in 10 countries four continents before that i was living in asia for the past six years before the pandemic four years in china uh four and a half years in china a year and a half in hong kong and i was in hong kong i was uh, you know it was a tough time because things were not good in Hong Kong with the pro- massive protests in 2019 in Hong Kong and all that. So business was badly affected. But still, I had an f- amazing time, but I was not going anywhere as far as business-wise. So uh, at one point, I literally ran out of money. If it wasn't for a friend of mine who allowed me to crash on his, on his couch, I would have been on the streets. And I was living on $20 a week. And uh, Hong Kong is one of the, the most expensive cities in the world. Mm. So good luck being there with 20 bucks for a week. So, but at the same time, you know what, Chris, even though as hard as it might seem, it was probably one of my most enjoyable times of my life because I, I, I grew up so much from a personal perspective. And also I was having a lot of fun meeting a lot of incredible people. It's what I love about Hong Kong because the, the caliber of people you meet there is absolutely off the charts, you know, and I, <clears throat> I was loving it. And, uh, and also I realized that, Hey, if I can be happy with, with only 20 bucks to my name per week, you know, and that was, you know, as I, as I told you early, uh, last time when we spoke, I was never religious, but I always believed in God. And I've had my spiritual awakening since the pandemic. And I think this was a pre taste for me to, to, to prepare me for my, uh, for my uh, spiritual awakening to, to realize that, Hey, you don't need happiness is internal. It's an internal job. It doesn't, it's not the money. It's not the place. It's not that. It's inside. Mm. And when I learned that, at the time, I wasn't aware of the deeper meaning of that because I wasn't spiritually awake. I mean, I mean, I was spiritually awake, but not as much as I am now. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it. But then, you know, I, I was one. I, that made me really think, hey, I'm happy. But, I'm, but I, inside, I'm happy. But outside, I'm a mess, you know? <laughs> so what can I do? What can I do? To change that and then 
when the pandemic started, my my father now he he left us last summer, but he was still here. My father and my siblings started freaking out and said, "Come back here, come back here." I said, "Okay, I'm going to come only for for two weeks." And now it's been two years, but I guess it was a blessing in disguise for me not only to spend time with my father and as a last half uh, year and a half here with us, but also for me that was when I really started asking some deep, powerful questions to myself, and I learned the power of asking the right questions you know before the special awakening when something bad happened to me i was always asking the wrong questions why mm-hmm. me why did deserve to, to get this why 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 and this would create a negative you know uh circle and uh and all this and cycle but then after i started to learn the power of question asking okay what is this trying to teach me what is the lesson for me to learn here mm-hmm. and this is when i i had my full spiritual awakening and and i said Three things about me. Ever since I was a kid, I always loved helping people. I'm a connector. I love bringing people together. And I'm the biggest cheerleader you'll ever meet. Uh, I'm all for empowering and inspiring people to go after the dream. So I asked myself, what can I do to bring these three things together? And that's when my podcast, the idea started. And sometimes the greatest ideas, you have them in the most unrelated moment. I was actually, I, I I think I was either cooking or just doing the dishes when I got this idea. Why don't you start a podcast? And I got the name, Leaders with a Heart, just mm-hmm. like this, just an inspiration, uh, whatever you want to call it, gut feeling. I said, wow, that doesn't look bad. And I sat on it for a few months until October of 2020. I said, okay, let, let me start it. And I, I started and ever since has been an incredible journey. I've been around the world, lived in many countries, been involved in businesses all around the world, but podcasting has been one of the greatest things I've done. It blessed my life with so many incredible friendships, opportunities, but the greatest gift it blessed me with has been that of finding my voice, finding my purpose, my mission. Now I dropped everything and I'm going all in with uh, with podcasting and it's it's been amazingly fun, amazingly rewarding. You know, one thing I always say is that the, the people I bring on my podcast, they're not just guests. The clients I get from my podcast are not just a line on a spreadsheet. We become real friends. We, we keep in touch. We get on calls. Hey, how's your family? How's your brother? How's your sister? How's your wife? Your girlfriend? Your boyfriend? Whatever. Just like what normal friends do. Mm-hmm. This is what I really love. This is the thing that has really blessed me so so much more than anything else. So, I guess it's a very tiny, tiny, tiny summary of that because I can I can talk so much about that. But I guess, and I hope that answers your question. Well, I I love the bridge version. I I know a little bit more, but. I want to talk because of all the countries you you've lived in. How many languages do you speak? Six. What are they? So French is my native language. Then I speak uh, Farsi, Persian. I was born in Afghanistan. Uh, my father was one of the first people to get a full scholarship to go uh, study in France. He was studying in the French uh, school system in Kabul back in the sixties. My father was a highly educated man, up to a PhD in geology and archaeology. So I remember I'm the firstborn child in the family. The first three, four years of my life in the, uh, in the, in the early 80s, uh, you know, my father would go on long trips for three, four, five months with, with the French, the Americans, the British, the Westerners on all these incredible locations around the world and all the you know, archaeological sites. And it would always bring me amazing gifts. So when the Soviets invaded in 79, and you know, the commies, they don't like intellectuals. So my father was lucky that at the time he was working in France, and that was our chance to, to literally save our lives. So we left when I was 
four, three, four years old. So I grew up in France, and and I always had this curiosity about the world. You know, when I was a kid, I the, the, the subject I loved in school was geography because I loved I loved learning about the world. I loved learning about um, about the stars. When I was a kid, I wanted to become an astronaut and pilot. Even my nickname was a pilot. People call me pilot. I can share a funny story. One day, my my mother in Kabul, she dropped me at uh, at the kindergarten the first day before going to work. Put my name and and at the end of the day when she came to pick me up, she said for my name payment. The, the people at the, at the kindergarten said, "Well, we don't have anyone here with that name." She said, "What do you mean? It's impossible. I brought him this morning here." She said, "No, we don't have anyone here." She said, "Let me see the name of the, the list of, of of the kids enrolled here." She looked at that. She saw a guy at the bottom, pilot. Said, "Bring me that pilot." <laughs> that was me. <laughs> and I get a good, you know. <laughs> it was fun. So, so yeah. That so is curious about the world the stars you know just curious about and and and, and because of that 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 deep you know passion for learning for traveling was instilled inside of me and i learned the other languages are italian spanish and portuguese italian spanish and italian and portuguese i learned them without taking a single uh, you know class in school just by myself because what i, I was i love the italian for the football soccer and uh Portuguese because of Brazil and the Brazilian football, the music and all that. And Spanish, growing up in France, I did took Spanish as a second language, but I had no interest because it was just for school. But when I moved back to Canada, sorry, when we moved to Canada, around when I was in university, I got into the Latin music, Latin dancing, and actually, you know, the point is you can learn any language, anything, if you have a genuine interest in it and not just for school or if it's just for work. If you have a genuine interest, you will learn it. You will not need a teacher because you have this drive in you and that's how I learned these these languages and so French um, Farsi Persian uh, Italian Portuguese Spanish and I do speak a little bit of English too so I'm, I'm still working on that so <laughs> English is my fourth is that when you language. said you were in China you you worked in China I was like did you learn Mandarin Chinese? Did Listen, you learn China, one, of my goal, one of my objectives was to make Chinese my lucky number seven language, but Chinese is a completely different ballgame. So in order to learn to speak Chinese, I'm not even talking about reading or writing it, just to speak it and to be able to conversate at the level of a, of a five, six-year-old child, it requires a commitment of a of a PhD type of, you know, time, like six, seven, eight years full time, seven, eight hours a day, because it's, it's a very different, different, different language, very different. So I tried, but after a week or two, I gave up because even when I was getting in a taxi asking the, the driver the name of the place I wanted to go, for example, very simple word, that one, it was look at me, what, 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 I have to repeat myself five, six times. So when I showed the tr the translation on my app in Chinese, it would repeat the same thing to me. So at first it was funny and then it became very, very frustrating to the point you want to just headbutt the guy, like, come on. <laughs> and I said, you know what, I don't need, I don't have time to that. It's not worth my time. So uh, my phone was my, basically my translator. You cannot live in China without your translator as a foreigner. And whenever I needed one, I just uh, I just hired a translator for it. When I went, for example, to a factory or business meeting or whatever, it was so much easier and so much more cheaper than, you know. So, yeah, even though I did want, I went to China with the best of intentions, 
But man, and I'm good with languages. I love languages. That's how I learned three or four languages. But Chinese, and I would say, yeah, Chinese, forget it. Unless you're willing to commit a good three to four, five years minimum of at least five, six hours a day. And that well, is just I, speak. My brother-in-law speaks fluent Mandarin Chinese. Wow. How did you do it? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, he's, he's like this genius kind of guy. Oh. He really is. He speaks Mandarin Chinese and he speaks Russian, the two hardest languages on the planet. Oh, yeah, Not wow. only does he speak it, he writes it. So in that, it's, it's phenomenal. And he's, he, he's always, uh, I call him the nerdy one, but he's uh, amazing. He's, he's actually uh, a genius and a professor at a college. So oh, uh, he should work for the intelligence community. They would love him, you know? <laughs> 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 it would be a great asset. I don't. I wouldn't wish the intelligence community on nobody. I oh, I know. I, I was joking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but in in in, I I, I love it that you like um, ge geology. You said or what? Geography. Geography. Geography and history. I love. Well, see, I love history too. I most people, if you knew me well, know, would know I'm a military buff. You know, I'm one of these girls. Here, I was watching a video. Of, I don't know if you know him, uh, Matthew Lacroix, mm -hmm. amazing guy on YouTube that talks about the, the hidden history of Earth. I was just watching his lectures, even though rewatching them. And these lectures are one to three hours. And I don't mind them because it's so fascinating, captivating. It is. I But I've been a history buff. But the one thing mm -hmm. as an empath I always knew that you have to remember history <clears throat> so you don't repeat it exactly. and so many people don't believe that the holocaust occurred it, <coughs> there's photographs it occurred yeah. but there wasn't just six million jewish people killed it was 22 million people of many different races of many different countries that they targeted not to mention all the people that died because of the war you know either direct or or uh, collateral damages and all that so not to mention all the civilians because entire cities were completely demolished. Oh, I agree. But I'm saying targeted people. Yeah, there was yeah, 22 million people that Hitler killed. Yeah. Not just Hitler, Mussolini, uh, uh, Stalin, uh, as well as the, the, the Japanese. Look at mm -hmm. all the horrific things the Japanese in the Pacific region. Look at what they do in China. I mean, how many people disappear off of China, in China? And the massacre of Harbin. Yes, they're still uh, in Nanjing. They still have that. They, they always remember that. And rightfully so, yes. So I love I love that you love history because it once you know your history, and unfortunately, when you were born in the late fifties, you grew up in the sixties. You hit the seventies. There, this is when all the social norms were changing on the planet. It wasn't the age of Aquarius, but they just called it that because it was like trying to get harmony. Well, now. We are in the age of Aquarius. So what's your, not to get political, but the way I see it is all this junk had to happen over the last couple of years so that we could come to the realization now to be able to go forward and say, okay, wait a minute, let's, let's let all of this negative stuff surface so that we can identify it, address it and release it so that we can get back to humanity. Is that your basic same opinion on this? Absolutely. You know, even though as horrible as the pandemic has been, a lot of people have 
badly suffered, lost their businesses, their jobs, their marriages, even some of their lives. I get it. It's been horrific. However, again, that comes back to what I was saying earlier, asking the right question. And the right question is, what is this? What is the purpose of this? What is the this trying to teach us, not just me and you as individuals, but us as a human species? And from my perspective, my little limited understanding is that we really needed that to wake up, all of us as a human race, to reflect on what really matters. And, I, and I'm sure you know that the past two, two years, people have been at home. A lot of people have realized, hey, you know, made some big lifestyle changes. People are downsizing the lifestyle. A lot of people, you know, have realized that they don't need to they don't need to pay four or $5,000 a month just on a mortgage. They downsize it not because they can't afford it, but because they don't need it to be happy. A lot of people realize that they don't need to, to uh, a lot of people are, are quitting their jobs in the U.S. For example, there's a massive resignation wave. 20, 25% of people quit their job. And the same ratio applies to pretty much most of the Western world. People are realizing that, hey, I don't need this an hour and a half, two hour commute each day. If a company is willing to pay you, a pretty decent amount of money for salary. That means that you're qualified, equipped, and skilled to do the same thing for yourself. So there's a massive wave right now of people starting their own businesses. And a lot of people are realizing, hey, they they also, you know, there's many ways to vote. If you if you if your voice doesn't count at the earn, you can vote with your wallet, you can take your business elsewhere, or you can if you if you see you cannot change whatever, you don't like the environment. You can vote with your feet. That's what I've been doing for the past six years. I was living outside of Canada because I don't agree with where the country was going, the policies, the laws, and the clowns we have in office. If you think Brandon is bad, our guy is even worse. You know, <laughs> between Brandon and Justin, it's a pretty damn good competition. And which one is the most out of touch, the most disconnected from reality? You know, but uh, and that's why there's a ways, and that's what I'm saying. You can you can vote with your feet. That's what I did. You know, and a lot of people are doing that not only because they don't like the place, but people are realizing that they can live much happier in other countries where the weather is much better. For example, speaking from a Canadian, you're frozen mm -hmm. half the year. I can live in Asia and South America for a fraction of the cost. When you live in places like that, when I lived in those places, I was a lot more, you know, I felt I felt alive. You know, here I'm always lazy, no energy, unmotivated, because the environment is, is making you sipping down your, your energy you know it can if you allow it but just the fact is is i think you said it very eloquently earlier your happiness your joy is inside of you mm -hmm. and so it shouldn't matter where you're at you carry your joy you carry your happiness the one thing that i i absolutely i had no voice because mm -hmm. um in my career i couldn't have a voice i couldn't have an opinion outwardly opinion i couldn't post anything that mm -hmm. might be you know, subjective. So when I retired last year in 2021, all of a sudden I have this voice. That's when I started this podcast. And I started this podcast because there was so many people out there doing simple people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And which leads me to my next question. Let's talk about building businesses because that's what you do and you do it with a heart. And so it's, that's a different perspective for most businesses. Businesses are, are starting to figure that out, but there's still a long way from there. I guess, uh, you know, it comes down to what we were talking earlier that people have, we as a, as a human species, we've wakened up and become more mindful 
and people are are being more you know careful you see more and more people you know building becoming more socially aware socially conscious opposed to before and i was like that i was all about profit 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 money just like any other guy or girl out there you know you just want to make as much money as possible but then i realized that hey and that's part of my spiritual awakening i made a complete 180 shift start focusing on on, on profit i focus on impact so whenever i look at a business or when someone pitches me an idea First question I ask is, what is the impact this business is having now? Or what is the impact this business will have as a result of me being involved? If the impact is not there and not to my heart, I won't even bother with the financials, even though the financials look very good. Because, you know, and I told you that the first time we talked, I'm a strong advocate of, you know, I strongly believe that as entrepreneurs, it's our duty and responsibility to do good, not only because doing good is the right thing to do as a human being, but also doing good is very good for business. People love doing business for businesses that care and, and, uh, and give back. So, and one of the, you know, I've been blessed on my podcast to have phenomenal people, all world-class experts, heart-centered, over 144, 45 and counting so far. But one of the, the two that I will always remember is the <clears throat> the co-founders of B1G1. Have you heard of B1G1? Buy one, give one? Oh, it's yes. It's organization that was started in 2007. Each time a company does business, you know, somebody in need in a third world or wherever gets to benefit from it. Like let's say whenever a company sends an email, like a kid can get access to, to books or education or clean water or food and so on and so forth. Each time a company sells a physical product, they, um, they plant a tree and so on and so forth. Each time, for example, me and you, we, we hire a client, we can, we can, uh, we can sponsor you of education for a kid or uh, things like that. So, so far since 2007, they've, helped to, uh, 270 million people worldwide. And unlike any other charity organizations, 100% of what, what we give goes directly to the cost. There's no admin fees. And this is what I was for the longest of time hesitant to, to give money to charities because I want my money to go to people that need it, not to pay the, the hefty salaries of some fat executives in an office that, you know, and, and flying uh, first class and staying in five-star hotel. I don't want to, you know, do that for them, but... So this, this founder of this beautiful organization, B1G1, Mr. Paul Dunn, and his co-founder, now, now wife, Masami Sato from Japan, I had them both on the podcast separately. And one thing that Mr. Paul said is that, I'll always remember, he said, <clears throat> there are two types of companies and businesses, one that is standard, one that is standout. You become a standout when your company, your business is, is bigger than you, meaning not just about money, but about impact. Why is that important? It's important because... When you're a cost-driven business, you attract a completely different breed and caliber of not only clients, customers, but also employees. The people that work with you are not going to be in it just for a paycheck and just doing the minimum not to get fired. They will completely espouse your ideas, your principles, your vision, and your mission. And it's going to be a completely different experience. And also, when, when, when you are a heart-driven, cost-driven business, you will have one thing that we all are chasing and lacking, and that is a purpose. You know, so a lot of us chase, you know, material things. I want to get a, have a bigger house, a newer car, the latest iPhone, whatnot. So once you get it, it's like any toy. After a week or two, you get tired of it. So what? And then you're always looking for the next, the next trail, the next chase, the next thing. It's a never-ending, never-ending, you know, chase. It's never fun. But when you have a purpose, you know, 
you will not get you will not get burned down. You will not need an alarm clock to wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. you, will, uh, you will not mind working 80 hours a week because this is what you love. You would do it for free even, you know? And mm -hmm. I was on a wonderful podcast yesterday called Fire in Your Belly by uh, Mighty Pete in London, uh, UK. We talked about that. And that's going to be, the cause is going to be not only the fire in your belly, but also in the belly of everyone that you deal with. And the client will become, you will automatically attract your ideal clients, people that instead of attracting the, the type of clients and customers that's going to be a pain in the butt and always nickeling and diming you, you will attract the type of people who will be completely aligned with you, with your vision and all that. And, you know, I was never good with math and numbers, but I do understand that in math, one plus one is two. But in real life, when two people with the same vision come together, it's not two, but 11. Three people together is not three, but 111. Four people is not four, but 1,111, and so on and so forth, meaning that our efforts completely exponentially explode when we all align with the same vision. So that's why building a, a cause-driven business is, is a no-brainer way because, sure, we all need to make money, but let's do so in a way that's meaningful, impactful, and purposeful. Mm. And also, it's a lot more fun, too, as opposed to you being always stressed and burning out and, you know. No, when you're completely in line with the passion, as I said, you would even do it for free because this is what you love. This is what you're here for. This is your purpose, your passion. So this is why I'm super, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And this is the whole premise of my podcast, to bring in, to, to connect other heart-centered entrepreneurs, sharing their stories and sharing, telling us about their wonderful, you know, impactful business that they're building. So that together we can inspire other entrepreneurs to do good. So if me and you, for example, sharing your story or my story, we can inspire one person to do good and that person goes on to, to, to help and inspire another person to do good and so on and so forth. And together we can create a ripple effect around the world. Mm -hmm. It's going to change the direction, the frequency and the vibration of this planet. And God knows that this is what we need more than ever. I absolutely agree. And I have always said for years, probably 30 years, if I can connect my corner with your corner and we can connect it to another corner and it exponentially grows, oh. all of a sudden we now have the ability to take what is being forced on us and say, no, this is not the way it's done. Yeah, this exactly. is the not way it needs to be. And I think that's what we're coming to because the planets are aligned, because it took 26,000 years for Pluto and Saturn to align. So 26,000 years, oh my gosh, we're talking like 1523 and Pope Mark was leaving the Catholic Church because he didn't like the way it was going. He quit as the Pope on the Catholic Church. That's when they got somebody else in there and all of a sudden it, it just took a nosedive. However, the Catholic Church and a lot of organized religions were about controlling people. Exactly. It was about power. It was about um, credibility. It was about demonizing women. So there's a lot of women out there. And I, I know that you've interviewed quite a few. How many do you think have, have actually resisted their powers because of their traditions and cultures and upbringing? A lot. M myself included. Well, everybody has divine feminine in them, and but you understand what I'm saying? Because I grew up, I was born in a Muslim family, in a Muslim tradition, even though my family was highly educated, highly progressive, but I still I still saw the effect, you know, on, on relatives and other people from the same background. You know, that's why I was always, as I said, I always believed in God. 
but I was never religious. And one of the most powerful quotes I ever saw was, you know, religion divides, spirituality unites. I agree with that. How many, how many wars have you seen and heard that was started because of spirituality? I can't think of any. N none. There is none. Exactly. There's none recorded that I have ever heard of. Yeah. Let's just put but it again, that way. Religion as a role in, in society because it can it can serve as 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 a guidelines as a rule to, to for people to follow. There's there's a lot of merit in religion, but I don't like the fact that it's being completely used to to limit us, to suppress us, and to say you want to access God, you have to do it through us, you have to give us money and all that. And it's been misused by people, by by people's greed, you know, throughout the world, throughout history. Mm -hmm. So at the well, base, it, religion can, can be some good 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 aspect, but of course, like anything that is affected by by man, but by, by people, it can be misused. I agree. I agree. But anytime that there's power control and that's what's used to to manipulate people, it, it turns out bad. It just turns totally. out bad. So as things go, when you were, um, what are three tips that you could give people as far as business goes? Uh, how they could just, what would be three of your best tips for people who want to become an entrepreneur? Let's just put it that way. Take a look at take take a look at at uh, make an inventory of all your skills. Look at what you already know and do. So, for example, let's say if you had just an example, let's say if you work for fifteen years an accountant or or a realtor or or a um, a doctor, whatever you are, look into that. Look into those skills. Don't throw those skills away. You can definitely help other people in your niche. When you want to help some get, get start your own business, don't try to help everyone with all the problems, because that's something that only God can do. Unfortunately, me and you are not God. Instead, focus on one very specific person with one very specific pain point. Pain point. Because you want to, when you focus on one person and you want to focus on someone that you personally, intimately know and understand yourself. And that's why I mean, look at your previous background, your, your professional background, your studies, whatever. Because if you spend any amount of time in any industry, then you have you have an advantage of anyone else that's not within that industry. You understand that. You understand the pain point. What, what are the challenge that person uh, he or she face on a daily basis? So, and this is one of the things I also I'm teaching in my podcasting academy. This is what we do in week one. Really pinpoint, laser down on who's your ideal client, and and we go back and and, and brainstorm what is their their the background, the skills, the quality. Find that out, then see how you can you can mix that with what you enjoy. What you enjoy because you want to be doing something that you enjoy you definitely don't want to be doing something that you're dreading or, or stressing because that's the last thing you want in your life you're building a business sure you want to make money but make money in a way that's it's fun you know and also ask yourself what high income skill do i need to learn and by high income skill it can be anything that say whether it's copywriting web designing podcasting uh whatever it can be, email marketing, ask yourself what high income skill can, do you want to learn, do you need and want to learn that's going to allow you to leverage your existing knowledge, experiences, and all that to really give you a realistic shot at building a business. This is what I would recommend. And also, I'm a big, big, big advocate of podcasting. I recommend everybody, whether you're doing an uh, online or offline business, Start your podcast because a podcast can be a tremendous vehicle for you not only to 
share your story, to display your expertise, but also to, to, to allow your audience to get to know you because it's all about connection. They want to know you. And also there's, you know, there's a cheesy line in real estate that we all heard, which is location, location, location. And, <laughs> and, and, and my experience living abroad and being in business around the world, I noticed something similar and I call it the rule of the three Ds. Differentiation, differentiation, differentiation. Meaning what, what can me and you do to elevate ourselves from being whatever you are, whether you're a coach, a speaker, a medium, a doctor, or even if selling hot dogs and ice cream down the street. What can we do to elevate ourselves from being just that, to being the expert, the leader, the authority? Because nowadays, the, the business environment is extremely competitive. Mm -hmm. So for me, from my experience, three ways to do that. One, make your business to be bigger than yourself. Don't be just another uh, copycat, another me too, another you know, standard company, be a standout. And by being a standout means make your company about something bigger than you. Be a cause-driven, impact-driven company or business. That's number one. Number two, start your podcast. And number three, have a book. And the book can easily be done through your podcast. So these are three things I would recommend to really differentiate yourself. Look at your past experiences, your career, your studies, don't throw those away because those are your assets. Take that. Ask yourself, what else, what other high-income skill do you need to put them together and take these, you know, to make yourself really marketable, really, you know, attractive for, for clients. And then find one very specific person with one very specific pain point. And sure, that person will have pain point number two, number three, number four. And guess what? You can build your business around the number one pain point and pain point number two, number three, number four, they can be beautiful upsells, you know? So you don't have to overwhelm them. Hey, I'm going to help you lose weight, become financially independent, uh, have a complete spiritual wisdom and all that because, wow, that's too much. Slow down. Focus on one thing because losing weight can mean one thing for me, one thing for you. Be very specific. Becoming financially independent. For one person, it can be $500 a month. Another person can be $50,000 a month. So know exactly. Be very specific. Give them something. One of the most powerful lessons I learned from one of my mentors is make sure in your business there's a QER, quantifiable end result, something that is measurable. So when someone sees whatever you're selling, make it very clear what it is they're going to get. Oh, don't, don't be vague. I'm going to help you become a six-figure uh, coach or whatever. Okay, if someone has never done coaching, how are they going to do that? What kind of um, skills do they have to learn? What kind of platform do they have to learn? What kind of mindset do they have to embrace? What kind of person do they have to become? Instead, teach them how to get the first paying client using whatever, media, whatever platform, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. For example, instead of saying, hey, let me teach you how to become a six-figure coach within, within, within a, a month, that's not going to happen for 99% of people. And I said, tell them, hey, let me show you how to get your first paying client using the power of LinkedIn, for example, in the next 30 days. That's very concrete. You know exactly. It tells you how long, what exactly you're going to get, and how, on what platform, as opposed to, I'm going to help you get become a six-figure seller. That's not going to happen. And then once they mastered the skills of getting that first crucial paying client, then it's rinse and repeat. You duplicate those skills to get your second your second client and the third and fourth. And before you know it, that's when you, you reach your goals, your financial goals. 
Same thing can be applied to, you wanna lose weight? Don't tell them I'm gonna teach you how to lose weight. And let me show you how to lose 10 pounds in the next 20 days with only one exercise a day. I've done it myself and that was through push-ups, for example. That's very clear, very concrete, you know exactly what you're gonna get. And that's one thing that I see time after time, people are making that mistake. I, I love that. I do planks. So I, I, I understand that's the one thing that I do do every day, no matter what. Yeah. For so, yeah. But again, the name of the game is clarity. Be as clear as you can. Okay. On the clarity, if somebody is, is struggling with clarity, how do you recommend for business? Because for, for intuitive, it is about releasing the overthinking. And I think in business, it's, it's overthinking also. But if you were giving somebody a tip on clarity, what would that be? What type of, what kind of tips? Uh, to get clarity in business. You said you had to get, you, the, your number one thing was to get clarity. Again, come back, come back to what I just said earlier. Be very specific on your ideal client as laser specific. Don't say I'm going to help women. Okay, what kind of women? Is it going to be moms, single moms, um, you know, uh, corporate moms, stay-at-home moms? Be as very specific as possible. For example, in my program right now, I have one lady. She's helping black women in their 40s, um, you know, to uh, to find their voice. Now, that's very specific. For example, a, a black Christian woman. I had one gentleman. is uh, He's helping conservative conservative male entrepreneurs in the 40s. We don't have the time to lose, to uh, to get in shape. To, and uh, that's very clear. You, you, you want to identify your, your audience. It's okay to leave people out. It's okay. That's not being discriminative or racist. Absolutely not. Just, you know, you want to work with your ideal. That's what it means, work with the ideal clients. Your ideal client is not the entire planet. You want to well, find one of your one of your about humanity. That's hard to, to eliminate certain areas. Yeah, yeah I agree. Just saying. But even humanity, if you want to help humanity, you got to start with some somewhere. You can't go all out trying to help everyone. Just like there's a there's a wise Indian proverb that says, "How do you eat an elephant?" Because our mouth is not too big to uh, to swallow the elephant one bite at a time. So if you want to help humanity, one person at a time, and you start with the ideal client first, and then you see help one person, that person goes on to help another one, and before you know it, there's going to create a ripple effect that's going to, you know, ex exponentially increase your reach. So even if you want to help humanity. Start by identifying, laser, lasering down on one very specific person because you want your message when he or she hears your message. The last thing you want to say, so what? You want to you you hear the person in their mind say, oh my God, that person is speaking my language. He or she understands me. And that's when you, your message turns from being another marketing noise in the background to being magnetic. You want your, your message to speak directly to that person and to do that, Guess what? You need to, to focus on one very specific person with one very specific pain point. So again, I might sound repetitive, but that is the, the golden rule and and, and and clarity and everything in business. At least from my... But see, this is the first time out of all the business people I have talked to, and I've spoken to quite a few, nobody ever, ever explained it like that so far. You're the first. So that's why I said, you know, some people that are struggling with clarity, you know, how, how would they get their clarity? And so I appreciate you for uh, repeating it because the fact is, is that, or, or to drilling it down so much so that they can actually reflect. 
Yes, but also be careful. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself. You have to find the right balance, you know. Sure, you don't need a, an audience of a billion people. You know, I'm sure you've heard the, there's a powerful principle called the 1,000 True Fans by, uh, was written by, forgot the name, back in 2007, 2008, meaning that you only need 1,000 true fans to be very successful in whatever business you're doing. Mm-hmm. 1,000 true fans paying you $1,000 a year, that's a million dollars. So that's why you need to be very specific, but be careful not to pigeonhole yourself. So that's a fine balance, but I think it's it's pretty, as long as you, you do the proper brainstorming and you do it with an open mind, it's not very hard to find the right balance for you. For you. As I said earlier, look at your previous background. What kind of career did you have? Did you have? What kind of studies did you do depending on, on your age? If you're 25, 35 and you have not that much work experience, what did you study? Look into those. Don't you know? We have a tendency as as as, as human that we don't appreciate our own skills and backgrounds and, and qualities. We take them for granted. I can't tell you how many times I've had that. People that have these amazing talents, myself included. We take it for granted. It takes another person, unbiased, fresh pair of eyes. Oh my God, that's amazing. Why don't you do that? I agree. I absolutely agree. But like I said, the, the, the aha moment for today's podcast was that I've had several business people on here and no one came up with that as a tip mm-hmm. to share with people who were just starting out as entrepreneurs or how to get that clarity. So again, it is, it is people's perspectives, people's understandings. It's not how you communicate it. It's what they comprehend. Exactly. Because why people... Why people hire me and you? They don't care about me and you or our stories. Yes, that's nice and cute. But what they care, people say they care about the results. But I say it's more than results. They care about the transformation. Mm-hmm. People don't care losing 20 pounds. What they care is the transformation. People don't care about next $500 or $1,000. They care about the transformation. Mm-hmm. This is what people want, transformation. Business is about transformation. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Again, Mm-hmm. When you do what you, a lot of people I've noticed don't even know what their passion or their purpose is. And that's sad. I was there myself. Not long oh, I mean, I didn't know everything that's every job I've ever taken. Like when my brother was killed by a drunk driver, that's why I got oh. into law enforcement. That was, that was the purpose. And, and the passion at the time was the injustice of that. And it, it, it sparked that and ignited that fire and said, okay, no, no, no. We've got to, if this is the way it is, we've got to fix these injustices. You know, one thing I, I, I learned as a result of my spiritual awakening is that I got to understand what life is about. Life is not as a, as a school for us to learn lessons. And because I love eating, I want to make a, a metaphor about eating. I see life as a beautiful five-star Michelin buffet for us to try all kinds of different dishes. That's why I've I've tried I tried to do I come as much experience. I've did the corporate world. I did the laptop lifestyle. I did the uh, working in the oil fields with rednecks at minus forty and and uh, yeah. Western Canada. I did uh, as a professional football coach in China. And I'm a podcaster. God knows what's going to be next. Maybe a book or whatever. The point is, it's all about accumulating experiences. Try try a little bit of every dish. If you go to a, to, a, to a wonderful restaurant and you only eat one dish every day for the for the next year, that's such a waste, in my opinion. I agree. I absolutely agree. There's, and, there's so many things you can t- try if you just have an open mind. And absolutely, and to add to that, we are here to learn lessons, 
because God never puts any obstacle in front of us that we're not capable of overcoming. Mm -hmm. So God, universe, whatever you want to call it, puts obstacles. And we all have had our fair share of, of, of dark times, tragedies, you name it. We all add it. But ask yourself again, what is the lesson for you to learn in that? Don't ask you, what did they do to deserve this? Why me? Why me? Why me? Because that's not going to help you. Instead, ask yourself, what is this trying to teach me? What is the lesson? Mm -hmm. Even in the most tragic way, even if someone passed away in your family, it's always a lesson. Mm -hmm. so well, it guided me well because it was something that I was able to do. Yeah. And it had it had to. And, and see, I've been asked, well, Chris, you've been through so much. And it's like, yes, I have. But I wouldn't change a minute of it because exactly. that's why who and who I am today was because of that. Exactly. And that's what I was about to say. We we are here in this life to learn lessons, to try as many of so-called dishes to, to, to enrich ourselves in terms of experiences. And then these experiences allow us to become the person we're meant to be, to, to, to be where we, we're meant to be. And then... These, these, these lessons become part of our stories and our stories become our gift. And the gift for us here is to, 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 to share those with the world, not just to keep it selfishly for yourself, but to teach it and share it with the world in whatever medium you're more comfortable. Some people like to, to write blogs, some people podcasting, some videos, some books, whatever means you're more comfortable, go and take those gifts because those tragedies those 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 dark times those uh, those hard moments that that, you, that we all went through these I, are our greatest gifts our, they become part of a story we all have a story and in my understanding this is one of the main reason the, the main purposes that we are here not just to wander aimlessly but to learn these lessons to become a better person the person we're meant to be so we can share those lessons those gifts with the world just like one plus one I share my story, you share your story, and each of us can collectively, you know, enrich and help, empower, inspire other people. Yes. You never know who can learn something from the persistence, the understanding, the experiences. Absolutely. They don't have to, they don't have to live it. But think about it as like this. If you read a book. Is it the, do you, do you always ask, you know, oh, this is just black ink on a page. No, that would be a waste of a good book. Exactly. It is the story. It is the, the disassociation of time, the bringing you into the story as if you were a part of it. And when you find your story and we all have them, there's so many people out there that do amazing things that never celebrate themselves, that never understand that there's people who can't get through stuff like you're getting through or how you got through. For example, God forbid you have an accident, you become, you know, paralyzed. Yes, it sucks. It's horrible. I get it. But don't dwell on that. Don't become a victim. Don't, don't say my life is over just waiting for you to die. No, this is a gift. Take that gift, that lesson. Overcome that. And for you, share those gifts to others. I can't think, I can't, I'm sure there's unlimited amounts of, of uh, you know, examples of people who have had incredible accidents that turned out around. And these people went on to create a completely different new industries, like, for example, having handrails for the handicaps. That was started by someone who had a horrible accident. Mm -hmm. They became paraplegic. They couldn't go anywhere. So they they went out and, 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 and they start educating people so that we as a human being, we can evolve and we can have, you know, handicap access 
you know, elevators everywhere, you know, and mm -hmm. this is, this is the gift. Everything has, has a purpose as a gift. Yes. And it all comes down to the power of asking the right question. That's probably one of the most powerful lessons I finally understood over the past three years, no matter how bad it is. And, and also once you go through all these craps and you understand the real meaning of it, honestly, nothing phases you, nothing stresses you. Like if someone threatens me, hey, I'm going to fire you, go ahead. I'm going to call the cops. Okay, here's my phone. I can help you. <laughs> it, it's, it's about not being triggered because exactly. when you have inner peace, when you are like who you are, you, you have no regrets. You don't become triggered by people's threats or ideologies or understanding. That's why I love the fact that peaceful protest is growth. Peaceful sure. protest is growth. Absolutely. When it turns violent and looting and things like that, those are criminal acts. I don't Absolutely. care who you are, or what you're doing. There's no way. Um, New York Times, month and a half ago, had an article on pedophilias and was trying to normalize them in the understanding of people. Wow. And I was, I don't usually get, I don't get triggered by, triggered by, um, Articles, I don't usually get triggered by media because you understand it's censorship, uh -huh. but I do understand social norms. Yes. And I was the victim of social norms because divorce wasn't acceptable when my parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. That was a catalyst that caused a lot of things to happen in my life. I have never been one to say it's okay to, to go along with social norms. I, I see them as more restrictions but to try to normalize a horrific act of abuse and make it try to make it acceptable in people's minds. I would, I, I just thought to myself, what's next? Exactly. We have got to keep speaking so that people see the difference between common and uncommon right and wrong i don't even know what normalcy is anymore and again they, they're changing the definition of normal and normalcy all the time you know like the things we're seeing here 15 20 years ago if someone were talking about them they would have been put in in jail or even in in psychiatric hospitals or treated as as a something wrong with you bro but now it's becoming normal unfortunately I mean, we're not going to get into they're that. Trying to, they're trying to make it normal. And the fact is, is as long as people protect our future, and it is all about victimizing children. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to use an expression that's become quite popular here. It's a fringe minority that are trying to impose their views on, on the majority. Especially people, I'm not going to say from this side of the spectrum, without naming them, you know what I mean? I, I agree. But the fact is, is it's the trying to persuade other people to accept it is the part that just bothers me. Yeah. It's one thing if you do it and without, you know, causing any, any danger or any threat to anyone else, that's fine. But you're an adult. As long as you're two consenting people, that's your, that's your business. If you're happy, that's fine for you, but don't try to impose it on us. Well, and I agree, but here's the thing is, is when you go, when you sit and this guy said something to the effect of, you know, I, I, I dream of five-year-old little girls. Oh. That's not normal. That is not normal. That's not something that's acceptable. Never was, never will be. And I, I get, agree, but it was the fact that they were trying to normalize it. 
that I thought this is what we've come down to. We don't want humanity. We don't want love. We don't want light. We want to normalize the evil of the world. And that bothered me. And, and as we, we talked earlier, he asked me about what is the bigger purpose of this pandemic? And I think that's one of the purposes for us to wake us up, to stop our going down the slippery path of all these toward evil. And I think a lot of people are realizing what's happening, especially when you mentioned about they trying to normalize all these indecent and criminal acts. So people are, are, are pushing back against that. We needed that pandemic to wake us up wake us the f up you know and people are saying enough look at what's going on in the world canada us australia spreading like white fire and none of them is reported obviously but well they're not they're not showing it in other countries because then we might see how much we are all alike and going through the same yeah. experiences and have gotten to the point of saying i've had enough you know it's been nothing has brought at least as a Canadian, the Canadians together as much as this past week. You see in Ottawa, you see families, you know, gathering together, cooking for people, for the for the for the for the for these truckers. You see gra grandmas, you know, baking muffins and all that, and and even opening their homes for, for these truckers to come have a shower, opening their their their, their basements, come sleep here. Churches are open. Hey, sleep here. Mm -hmm. Even. Even the, the police officers, a lot of them, but they're not showing it, are helping distributing warm food in, in Ottawa to mm -hmm. these truckers. But of course, none of this is reported. Even right. the RCMP, the, the RCMP is the, uh, the, the, uh, the Royal Military Police in Canada. They are with, with, with these truckers. Even the, uh, the military, they're saying, we, we, we are people before being military, whatever, we understand you. We, mm -hmm. we want to be on the side of, 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 the, of, of the good people, of the, of the good fight. And these governments are going way overboard now. We need to stop that. And a lot of the uh, the protesters now, they're not just demanding to, to stop the menace. They're demanding that for the clown to resign. Well, and, and I understand that. The other thing is, is that this also is hurting people because the transporting and distribution of the things they need, it's, a con it's an act of control. And yes. when you're squeezing so hard and you're now affecting the little people of the world, in Pearl Harbor, as a historian, the only reason why Japan did not attack the West Coast of the United States was that they were afraid that the citizens were more armed than the military. Wow. And that's why they chose not to, because they knew the power of the people was stronger than the, the organized government would allow it to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, and I mean, it's documented that they, that's why they didn't, because they had, after hitting Pearl Harbor, it was a straight shot to the West Coast of the United States. Yeah. But they also knew that we had the Second Amendment here, and that meant that citizens could arm themselves to protect their country. Yes. And so that was the reason why Japan chose not to attack the Western coast of the United States because the citizens were not held to these government treaties or this Geneva warfare. Right now it's, we're defending our homes, our properties, yeah. our understanding. And so this is why it's so imperative that people know their history. Totally. 
At one point, Japan thought it could invade China. And most people don't realize that. that they did. Japan, but they did. But the fact is, is most people don't realize that a little country like Japan invaded China at one point in time. The entire Pacific region. Yes. And so the fact is, is, you know, I always tell people anything's possible. But know your own beast. Know you as a beast. Because if you know you as a beast, then you have the choice to be of light. Learn from your history, absolutely. History is for us to teach us. It does, but if it repeats itself, just like fashion repeats itself. It seems like every 30 years, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw those big bell bottoms come back and I like, oh my God, I threw them all away years ago. I should have saved them. I could have saved myself thousands of dollars that, you know, I paid for the fashions. You sell them yourself, big money. Yeah? <laughs> you know? But the fact was, is, you know, just like everything else, it, it we've become a disposable society. Everything is cyclical. Life yeah. is a cycle. The universe is a cycle. It is. But the thing is, is there's there's those who, who try to disrupt the cycle with chaos and put out disillusions of what should be. And so I, I've always said what is done in the dark, let it come to light so that it can be f not fixed, but it could be addressed. Totally. So my last question, payment. Yes. I ask this of all my guests. All right. And it's, it's kind of like a spiritual thing. And I want you just to take a deep breath in. Relax. Close your eyes. And I want you to connect with your five-year-old inner self. Oh. And what would they say about you today from where you were then? Be more playful. I used to be very playful, almost being too naughty and controllable, little devil. But now I've become too, too serious, even though I'm trying to change it. So become more playful. Never, never suppress that inner child inside of you, even when you're 95. That's what we all need to do, because that's inner child that's a major part of the fire in our belly, what's getting us going, because we need to make our life happy, fun, and happiness is an inside job. And that inner child is a big part of that inner happiness. So get in touch more with that inner child. Beautiful question. Love that. So Payman, I, I am still excited and I'm still honored that you're on my podcast. And I want to thank you for coming today. Pleasure's on mine. Thank you. I'm honored because, wow, when I did a podcast, I had prepared a list of questions. But right from the first minute, I knew that, hey, forget the question just let it flow naturally because if i were to follow the question I would break the flow and no i said let the, the most beautiful conversation of the one that are just natural organic so you know and and i and that was one of the most beautiful conversation i've had and i've been blessed to have almost 150 people and yours stands out in the top five absolutely of all time so far so you well, i'm a unique individual i never deny that now, as I told you, you're a treasure, you're a gift, especially all the crap you've gone through. But those craps are part of your your treasures. Embrace them, you know. No matter how painful, how hard they might have been at the time, but now they made you who you are. And as you mentioned, you would not change anything because otherwise you would not be where you are. You would not be who you are. Mm -hmm. You would not have the impact you are now. So embrace that and then take those wonderful gifts 
and share them. Super happy for what's coming for you. You mentioned something very exciting for you. I'm not going to say it now. So what I know, I'm super happy, super proud, super cheering for you. So uh, yeah, you, this is only the, the, the start. Chris, this is only the start. You're going to have another, another 100, 150 years, especially with how medicine and all that uh, is progressing, you know? So uh, being 65, 66 is going to be the new 25 in no time. Well, I'm not that old yet, but I'm I'm tapping on it. I'm tapping on it. Yeah, yeah. I know you, you just celebrated your, what, your 25th birthday? So uh, No, no, no. It's 63. I'm okay with 63 no, because I never thought number. I was going to surpass 30. I, you know, I was like. You know, 63, number nine. That's a beautiful number. It is. It absolutely is. So yeah, so, you're a gift. Keep shining your light. Keep blessing the world with your presence, with your gifts, and uh, with your message, with your impact. The world needs you. We need you. So uh, mm. make a make a fan of yours. <laughs> I'm super happy and proud that I can call you not just a you know, but I can I can call you a friend. That's the greatest gift. It is. It is, and I can call you the same. Absolutely. Hang on, hang on one second. Sure. It takes a special kind of person to dream their thoughts and their ideas and turn it into the reality. Payman Lorenzo has stepped past all of this fear, stayed his course, and had the courage to do the follow-through to the end. Payman Lorenzo, you've championed yourself. Now we know who you've become. Thank you for being here with us today, sharing your ideas, your thoughts, and dreams with us.